Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 61 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. If you are here on this episode, you most likely listened to the previous episode, episode 60, with uh, Dr. Shannon O'Grady from Gnarly Nutrition. And we've got Shannon on again today uh, to talk about all things protein. Um, Protein is a pretty surprisingly to me, a pretty hotly debated topic. Um, I do most everything by feel, less by science. And if I feel like I need more protein, I eat more protein. If I don't feel like I need it, I don't eat it. Um, That's just the way I operate. But some people take science as the absolute gospel and ignore feeling entirely, ignore anecdote entirely. And, you know, that's their right. They can do that if they want to. I just don't operate that way. Um, So I expect that I'll probably get um, all sorts of people posting scientific studies saying that all of this is wrong. And, you know, that's okay. You can do that if you want to. I'm not going to read them, to be perfectly honest, um, because I just don't care that much. I spent I spent about nine hours one day looking for studies that seemingly contradicted each other. And it's, it's shockingly easy to find scientific studies whose abstracts contradict each other. And, you know, so I'm just going to go by what works for me. Um, I mean, that's how science starts anyway. It almost always starts as anecdote. And then they look for the reason why. So, um, you know, I'm going to do it my way. And this is my podcast, so I can. Okay, we are going to get into this episode with Shannon O'Grady talking about all things protein. And thanks again to Gnarly for sitting down and educating me a little on BCAAs in our last episode and in protein in this episode. And like I said before, uh, Power Company has no affiliation with Gnarly other than they sent us their products. We like them. I wanted to talk to them about them. And uh, and that's where it ends. And while I was in in Salt Lake City talking to Gnarly, I also had the chance to chat with Alex Honnold really quickly. And I got uh, I asked him about using Gnarly products. He's also not a Gnarly athlete, but uh, he does love their vegan protein, uh, which we talk about in this episode. So I just wanted to get his take on it. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm Alex Honnold. I I. I hate to say use as a food, you know, I drink. Um, I'm Alex Honnold. I, I consume the gnarly vegan feast, well, the vegan meal replacement, mostly the chocolate, but occasionally the vanilla. Um, I do a lot of gnarly. And just like, I mean, it's like my favorite easy drink substitute meal thing. I don't even know what you call it, but it's just so delicious and it's like perfect. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, this time, this time, this time. We like to characterize our company as more of a nutrition company. And I think if you can meet all of your nutritional needs with 
whole foods, then you should go for it. back for round two here um i'll tell you what before we start talking about protein why don't you give me just a brief background of who you are so that i can let people know what your qualifications are because they know i have zero qualifications (laughs) when it comes to Uh, nutrition or protein or any of this right um i don't know if you have zero qualifications but um i so I'm the, the director of product for Gnarly Nutrition. Um, what does that mean? I lead a product development. Um, I head up product quality. So I manage the manufacturing of our products, um, the kind of how we ensure that our products are high quality and clean and pure. Um, and I also work with uh, our athletes and our team um, to educate consumers and, and even do athlete uh, education. because. Amazingly, um, a lot of athletes don't know that much um, sure. about kind of how to use nutrition to kind of maximize performance and recovery. Yeah. Um, I got into sports nutrition uh, with kind of a, a background in bi- biology and nutritional physiology that was kind of in a different context. Um, I did some research in, in water metabolism and in humans, but I always had a strong personal interest in, in performance um, I'm a re- recovering endurance athlete. Um, <laughs> recovering so, endurance yeah. athlete. Um, That's a great way to put it. <laughs> so I think if you try to do anything that's, you know, on a level of, of, of time that's over four hours mm-hmm. um, or even under that, I'd say over two hours, nutrition has to be a pretty integral part of your plan. Yeah. The only it. thing I do for four hours is sleep. <laughs> I don't know. Long climbing days, like with an approach and climbing all day True. and the way back, I would, I would count that as yeah. a form of endurance. Um, but yeah, so I got really interested in it and with a science background, of course I got super geeked out and nerded, nerdy about it and yeah. um, learned a lot and, and then just decided that that was the direction I wanted to to go, and um, found gnarly and our our value systems matched up with what what we believed in in terms yeah, of nutrition that's important. and quality. And <clears throat> yeah, it was a good fit. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important for the athletes. It's important for people to know that you know what I can see is that you're obviously excited about this stuff and you care about it and you're like you said you geek out about it and. I mean, I think that's really important to have instead of just, hey, here's a protein powder. Let me grab that. You want to let people know what's in it, why it works, how it works, all of that. So Yeah. And and the fun thing about nutrition, too, and about science in general, you know, is one, nothing's set in stone. I mean, right. certain things, global warming, climate change. Sadly, not enough people <laughs> realize that those are set in yeah. stone. But in the field of nutrition, you know constant research in in uh in new areas just kind of opens up um new ideas about um you know what we should be taking when we should be taking it how we should be taking right. it and and it's fun and so it's a continuous learning process for me um both because sometimes it's hard to stay up on top of all of the most current no question um, yeah. research especially with <clears throat> everything else that that I do um but it's it's fun and I love it I love learning and that's a good 
good basis, I think. Yeah, and things change so quickly. I mean, I was just kind of delving into this world of research papers and how often they're proven or disproven or what all that means. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's pretty shocking how quickly science changes its mind on things or, or not necessarily changes its mind, but finds out new evidence for sure. And goes a different direction. Yeah, I mean, there's this big movement now to not only, I mean, it's a it's a huge process to get a research paper published, published you know, right. in a peer-reviewed, even top-tier journal. Um, mm -hmm. But there's an even larger movement to, to, at the same time, release all the data that went into that research right. so that independent groups can perform either the st same statistical analysis cited or, or different stats um, just to make it more of a transparent process because there have been, you know, some, some studies that have been called back. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's, you know, ever-growing field for sure. Well, that's cool. That's, that's really good to know. Um, so let's jump into protein. Sure. Um, I mean, I think that's how, most likely, how most people enter the world of supplements you know at least in my experience that's where most people take their first leap into using a powder of some sort it's or the gateway drug yeah totally so and i think there's a lot of misconceptions including my own i'm sure um and i would just love to know the details behind it so number one there are a bunch of different kinds of protein that you can buy in powder form and mix into a drink. Can you tell me a little about those, what they are and what works better than the others? Sure. I mean, I think um, generally the, you know, king of all proteins is, is considered dairy-based protein. So, And that's whey protein, right? Uh, well, casein is another okay. um, kind of subsection of, gotcha. of dairy protein. And there's a little difference in between those I'll get to in a minute, but... Um, so then you, you can find whey protein isolate, whey protein concentrate. And then, although you don't see them as much anymore, there are hydrosylates. Okay. Um, so whey protein isolate. And, and those are the difference between protein isolate and protein concentrate, really the percentage of protein. So the, uh, the protein, you know, that, that's taken from the dairy goes through a concentration process. Whey protein concentrate is typically, you know, in the range of, 70 to 80 percent protein okay. um so meaning that of the powder 80 percent of it is protein right. Con uh, isolates are more concentrated so more processed and more concentrated they're about 90 percent protein oh gotcha um because of that so there's you know uh, people love to argue about stuff um and this would be one of those things that they argue about is right. which is better and um so whey protein isolate has has more protein per gram um has more, uh, or excuse me, less fat. So for people really trying to control, you know, their macros, or they really want to minimize right, fat, right. you know, that is a benefit. At the same time, um, it has it has a little bit of lactose, but negligible. Um, so benefits of that are higher protein per gram, um, you know. And, and no lactose. Whey protein concentrate still has a lot of protein in it. I mean, 80%, protein, there's sure. only a 10% difference between those two. Um, it has some lactose. 
it has a little bit of fat, like very little bit, like a gram or so, um, in a in a complete or in a complete like twenty gram of protein um, concentrate serving, and um, but what it does have that, and this is where the argument comes in, is some of the biofactors that go along with the protein. Um, people argue help with muscle protein synthesis. So you get those biofactors in the concentrate. You don't get them. You don't in get the them in the isolate. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you know, and with the fats, it, it's it's a minimal amount of fat. There are fatty acids, mm-hmm. but this becomes you know another thing to consider when looking at you know the source. Are you sourcing your your protein from? a grass-fed cow are you sourcing it from right. a conventionally raised cow what's the quality of fat in one versus the other gotcha. you know, grass-fed cows are higher in conjugated linoleic acid um and and other beneficial fatty acids so that question is less of an issue with whey protein isolate because once again there's hardly any fat of it fat in it but right. it becomes a little more relevant in whey protein concentrate and then um and then hydrosylates are actually the protein broken down even further into basically chunks of amino acids. So it removes an element of the digestion. Um, and so the the argument is that it's better absorbed. So it's easier. So you're not digesting it at all. It works similar to BCAAs? Um, I mean, you, you're still breaking up um, the, the peptides, but okay. to a much let a smaller extent than you are gotcha. um, as the BCAAs. So BCAAs an easier are digestion. singular amino acids. Yeah, easier digestion. They tend to not taste so great. And, right. um, I don't Which know, for some people might be totally fine. For some people might be totally fine. For me, it's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the same page. Yeah. So, um, so in terms of like protein powders in the dairy category, th- those are your main ones. Um, there's been a lot of kind of beef protein um, products coming up now. Right. And um, beef protein isolate, uh, it's, so the quality of a protein could can be measured in a number of different ways. Um, the two kind of most important things to consider are how fast um, or how it's assimilated, so how much of it we actually take in and absorb and use. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, so we talked, when we talked about branched chain amino acids, we talked about the role that leucine plays in muscle protein synthesis. Right. Um, and so the quality of a, of a protein can also be judged by the amount of, of leucine in that protein. So once again, dairy reigns strong with their super high leucine content. It's really right. well digested. Um, beef protein isolate leucine content isn't as high. Okay. So I would argue that it's not as high quality of a protein. Sure. Um, and then we, you know, we get to a lot of the vegan proteins. Um, so it's a it's a misconception. I hear I often hear a lot of people say, "Oh, they're not complete proteins. Like you have to combine." you know, legume proteins with rice protein in order to get a complete amino acid profile. Now, while you don't maybe see as complete or as high of amino acids across the spectrum in vegetable proteins versus in kind of dairy proteins, mm-hmm. um, there are some super high quality, like pea protein is super high quality, and it's not lacking 
it's just mm. not as high as right, dairy. Right. Um, so pea protein isolate or legume, any legume protein is, is also really high, high in leucine, um, has a, has a good kind of complete amino acid profile. Um, where you benefit from mixing kind of grain and bean proteins is more like my job. It's a formulation aspect. So pea proteins are super dense. Rice proteins are super grainy. You mix them together and um, and you get a little bit better. Uh, I hate this word, but it's like the only word. And we always joke about it in the office. You get a better mouthfeel. So it's like smoother. Sure. Um, and, and that is the real kind of benefit from mixing those two proteins. Okay. Yeah. Quick question on the vegan protein and just vegan protein in general. I know a lot of people believe that if you're vegan, it's going to be really, really difficult to get enough protein. Um, is there a benefit to using a vegan powder in that case? I don't know. It, or can you get enough protein just eating vegan food you can get enough protein just eating vegan food okay um the things that i over over protein um intake the when i hear that somebody's vegan the, the first thing i think of is is iron intake and b12 intake gotcha um, so those are so protein isn't your main concern no to begin with no i mean i think it depends on the type of vegan we're talking about like much like everything sure. there's a range you know i i think they it, if you're eating vegan you have to make more of an effort mm -hmm. to, to think about what you're taking in and the protein content but you can get sorry playing footsie uh, didn't, you can, know if that was, <laughs> didn't know if that was your foot or a table leg under there um you can get enough protein through through legumes and and even other sources of vegetable and meat substitutions and things like that i mean if you're a if you're just a salad eater then, then yeah, it's a right, concern. Right. But for someone that, that actually thinks about it, there are plenty of options um, to get enough protein throughout the day. Okay, and while we're talking about enough protein, what is that? What do, what do you recommend? What does the science say sure. that we need daily? Okay, so, I mean, um, the RDA is super outdated. Uh, uh -huh. The recommended daily allowance for protein, I think, for individuals is like, 0.8 grams per kilo, kilo which mm -hmm. is, I would argue, probably not enough for a general, you know, not someone that's training on a regular basis, but most people. Right. But because we live in America, most people probably overdo that anyways. I don't right. think it's, it's a big concern. Um, athletes definitely need more protein. Um, the general recommendation for endurance athletes is it's in the like one gram per kilo to 1.6 grams per kilo. For strength athletes, it's higher than that, um, 1.6 to 2 or 2.2 grams per kilo. Okay. Um, there's some people that believe that kind of weight-based measurements um, are a little bit outdated. I tend to think um, a lot of the studies are done with individuals in a particular weight range. Sure. Um and don't necessarily incorporate, and climbers don't fall into this category, but like bodybuilders that are, you know, 180 to 280 pounds. Right. A lot of the studies don't include individuals like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so. Yeah, they're going to be on an extreme, right? They're right. going to be needing and consuming a lot more protein right. than the average person or the normal athlete. Completely. Um so, so I, I do stick with the, I believe that the, um, 
the protein recommendations um, per you know weight are are accurate. Um, re more recent studies, I'd say, in the last you know five plus years, have come out showing that, and it's it's pretty interesting that a regular distribution of protein intake over a day, as opposed to skewed protein intake. And when I when I say that, um, what I mean is like say we're dealing with someone who, who needs to take in like 100 grams of protein over the course of the day based on weight. And that's on the low end. That would be a pretty light person. Um, so it's better to take that 100 grams and divide it up into fairly even doses throughout the day okay. and um, than it is to take more protein um, in the morning or more protein in the right, evening. Right. And most people like, you know, with our cereal-based breakfast eating, I say most people are guilty of having a pretty low protein breakfast and eating most of their protein at night. Right. So, um, so a couple of things kind of surrounding that are that um, the dose of about 20 to 30 grams of protein in a sitting has been shown to maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis. Okay. So given that, um, and, and that is uh, 20 grams of protein separated by i think it's like three to four hours between each 20 gram serving okay so over the course of you know of 12 hours you know you're looking at four to five servings of of 20 grams if yep. you're in the 80 to 100 gram and and in that if you're doing that then you're you're maximally stimulating muscle protein synthesis and a lot of that is driven by by that leucine content. So um, in the two to three gram range of leucine is, is where you see that muscle protein uh, synthesis stimulated to mm -hmm. its maximal amount. Yep. So that lines up also really well with the dosing we were talking about with branched-chain amino acids yesterday. So sure. that five grams in the two to one to one ratio is two mm -hmm. and a half grams of leucine. Um, so kind of the take home message is to Evenly distribute Spread your protein out, yeah. across the day. Um, you know, if you can get 20 to 30 grams, which sounds like a lot, but it's really not that much. Okay. Um, for, you know, it's it's one serving of a, of a protein shake. It's, you know, like four to six ounces of meat. Um, I don't know what the equivalent, like, lentil serving would sure, be, but sure. you can get it from, from kind of non-meat uh, vegetables and legumes as well. Okay. Um, Spreading it out like that over, you know, several sittings, is there, is there an amount that we can assimilate at a time or in a day? Why is that better to spread it out instead of having it all at one time? Yeah, so a couple of things on that. Um, there is a limit to the amount we can assimilate. I think the research has shown that that number is in that 20 to 30 gram range. Um, in one sitting. In one sitting. It's like, uh, it takes like, maybe like, I think it takes about an hour to digest 10, 10 grams of protein. Okay. Um, so you're looking for 20 grams. That's about two hours. So kind of gets to that spacing, why mm -hmm. that spacing is key. Yep. And if so you're eating any more than that, um, you're it you're you're basically just, you know, it's your body's through. just gonna you're get not rid absorbing of it. it. No. Gotcha. Um, there has there was a study so most of the studies that have been done have shown 
you know, either 20 or 30 grams, you get this increase. And then anything more than that, um, it right, just plateaus right. yep. in terms of muscle protein synthesis. So yep. they've tested up to like 90 grams, I think, in a, in it compared to 30 grams. And you saw no increase Gotcha. in the 90 grams. Um, That's good to know because I think that a lot of people just take this like cursory look at it and then go, I just need more protein, more protein, more protein, more mm -hmm. protein, you know, and end up with probably what's way too much if they're, you know, if they're using protein shakes or supplements. And, yeah. I mean, the way too much is also a, um, an interesting thing. I, you know, is there a danger to consuming too much protein? I haven't right. really seen, unless you have like kidney dysfunction. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen um, evidence that suggests that there is. Right. Um, if you're stressing out about it, then yeah, you know. Sure. So way too much isn't necessarily the right phrase. Maybe it's that they're just taking in more than they can handle or more than they need. Than their body needs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Quick question. When I did a recent podcast with Neely Quinn, who I know you've talked with as well, we talked a little about protein and how much a person should get. And interestingly, nutrition is one of these topics, as I'm sure you know, that there's some pushback on. People have strong opinions about nutrition and what they need. Sure, it's right up there with religion and vaccines. Politics. And politics, and, yeah. you shouldn't talk about at dinner. Totally, yeah. totally. <laughs> Which is interesting to me. I didn't realize that was the case, but... In talking with Neely, and when I put the podcast out, I got this feedback from people, and several people use the example of mother's milk as, like, this should be the gold standard, and it only has this much protein, which is a much lower hmm. amount of protein. And, you know, their argument was, that's at a time when our bodies are growing the most, and we only need this tiny bit of protein, why should we need it when we're adults and we're athletes? What is your thought on that? Um, and so have you heard this argument? I haven't heard this argument. I, my brain's going like, yeah, lots of cogs turning. Um, so my first uh, reaction to that is, um, interestingly, given my whole spiel on the 20 to 30 grams thing, you actually need more protein as you age, as you get older. So okay. older people benefit from more protein and that is the one case maybe where you see increases in muscle protein synthesis above and beyond right um, and is that because we have you know decreased muscle as we age yeah or i'm guessing you know what i don't know the answer our to that body question. just slows down that synthesis or but yeah that would that would be what i would guess sure i bring it up to illustrate the point Yep. that at different times in our life, there are definitely different um, things going on, largely dictated by hormones. Mm -hmm. I would argue that you're, and I, like, I don't, while I can't give you specific hormone levels or any, I, I would argue that what we see in a baby, the amount of growth where they get their energy, I mean, babies have brown fat you know, <laughs> to right, all, to, right. that, you know, they, they use and, and is, is um, a metabolic source in and of its own. Their, their physiological um, kind of makeup. makeup is vastly different, yeah. vastly different yep. from that of 
and they sleep more. If you look at their eating schedules, sure, sure, if you look yeah. at, at, you know, that milk is their only, depending on, you know, your strategy right, as right. a mother or father, that, that milk is their only source of nutrition. So um, while I can't like quote the science, you know, I, I just don't think that's a valid comparison. And I okay. apologize to people that do, but that's my, you know, sure, just gut sure. reaction. Well, you're totally to allowed it. your opinion. And, Thanks. you know, <laughs> I mean, I have my thoughts as well, and they're similar to yours. Um, but, you know, I think everyone's allowed their opinion. So I was just curious your thought on on what these people brought up to me. So Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I totally a proponent of breastfeeding and think it's super important mm-hmm. but yeah yeah I, I think we it, just have different needs when we're babies versus when we're aging athletes and recovering endurance athletes and if you look at you know generally the animal kingdom and and when any kind of mother's milk is used for growth it's only during a pretty limited period at the sure. beginning of the animal's life yeah and i think that's probably for there's a reason, a reason for that right yeah, yeah okay um, are there other types of protein that we didn't get to before I sidetracked you there? I mean, there are a million different types of protein. Um, common ones? Common ones. Soy protein, also good protein's gotten some bad, we don't use it in our products, but it's gotten a bad rap. Um, I think just because people worry that it's, uh, because it has phyto, soy naturally has phytoestrogens in it, which are compounds right. that that's, mimic that's the That's sort of the controversy I remember hearing about years ago. Yeah. So, so, um, I think the general concern is that it's competing or binding. It's either competing or binding to, um, hormone binding sites in the body that estrogen, you know, would bind to, or in the case of males that, you know, maybe you wouldn't want. <laughs> right, right. A substance like estrogen binding to. Um, the amount in soy products um, is pretty low. And if you just look at the amount of even a vegan that eats a lot of tempeh and tofu, like the amount that they would be getting, I just, I don't really believe that it's a valid concern. Um, we don't use soy um, soy products in our, in gnarly uh-huh. stuff. And we, um, tend to shy away from soy based ingredients like we use sunflower lecithin in our products as opposed to soy lecithin and that's largely because of of the allergenic qualities of soy so kind of getting back to trying to make uh, the line as accessible to as many people as we can you know we we try to minimize we test test all of our products for gluten we you know try to minimize the amount of soy um, or minimize we don't have any soy in our products and and in our products that aren't dairy based you know we don't have any any animal products in those they're all vegan right right so we talked a little about you know spreading it out throughout the day what if you have some sort of athletic event whether it's a workout or sure. performance or whatever is there a better way to time your protein when those things are happening? Yeah, so um, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Um, I'm a big fan of, of taking branched-chain amino acids mm-hmm. before or during, um, both because you know it plays a role in that preventing the muscle breakdown if you have those amino acid levels in your blood, but also because it's lighter on the stomach. 
Um, but I'm also a huge proponent of following up with protein and in kind of that window following, right. you know, the one to two hour window following. What if someone's not taking BCAAs at all and they're just using protein sources? Yeah, so I would start with, um, you know, if you, you're eating three meals a day and you, you're, you're doing the 20 grams at each, 20 to 30 grams at each of those meals, um, then you can do another two to three snacks spaced mm-hmm. throughout the day and i would just be sure that um the timing of that snack that's right before your training or your workout or whatever you're going to do makes sense for what you're doing yeah um so you're not taking something <clears throat> super heavy if right you're, exactly yeah make sure it's something you feel good on instead yeah. of yep. bogging you down and i think that timing is 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 su- is really important to work out ahead of time um everybody's different some people you know yep met ultra runners that can you know chow down a burrito while they're running and they do fine and others that you know like to like to run pretty light in terms of what they take in um so it's it's variable it's very person dependent and it's something that should be worked out ahead of time like i'm a big believer in practicing your nutrition and if you have something that matters to you a goal that you're you're you know striving for you got to get that stuff figured out early yeah i found when i was performing quite a bit uh, music wise that if I ate right before I performed I had a harder time with my breath control Interesting. and that's carried over to sport climbing and bouldering now that I've now that I've paid attention to it I've noticed that if I eat something big something heavy I have have a harder time controlling how I breathe I wonder if it affects your diaphragm yeah, could. Just I have no idea. I just know that it happens and I huh. you know, so I plan for that and I just That's don't eat anything heavy right before climbing. So cool. Um when you're taking protein for recovery after the workout, what do we need to think about to be able to make it to maximize that recovery. I know we need carbs with it. Mm -hmm. And I've heard the three to one, four to one, all sorts of ratios. Where does the science say we should be? And and what does experience tell you? Sure. Um, So we can kind of split those, you know, the three things. So I also am a big believer in in having a good source of fats um, because as athletes, and, and, you know, I, I would consider a lot of climbers that have a long approach and then are climbing all day and then are hiking back home and have packs on. There's an endurance element to sure, that. Sure, sure. Um, and, and a lot of endurance athletes and um, store fats in their muscles. Um, they're called intramuscular triglycerides. They, they use fatty acids uh, to create energy. Right. Um, and, and adding fat in that recovery nutrition replenishes those things. So protein, carbohydrates, and fat. So I just kind of said why you need some fat in there. Yep. Um, the carbohydrates are, are there because they help with um, basically uh, glycogen loading. So you, so carbohydrates are stored as glycogen in the muscles, and you're, you're basically replenishing that. Um, and the three to one, four to one, it, in terms of the insulin response, which helps your your muscles take in those uh, carbohydrates and store them as glycogen, is maximized. And that's kind of the the science that I've seen is in that in that range. Um, the protein 
the one is uh, is for muscle protein synthesis. So those three things are the reason why you're combining those macronutrients. Gotcha. Um, there's some debate over the kind of what that window is that you you know in terms of time post workout. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd say I, I tend to just go with the as soon as possible is great. Yep. You know, that doesn't mean like you have to be chugging a protein shake like five minutes after you've, you know, done right. something hard. But like if you can get it in in an hour, wonderful. If it's two hours, it's not the end of the world, you know, but I, I would try to get it in a two hour window. Yep. The sooner the better. Yeah. I've found for myself that recovery is better generally if i drink some protein source with fats and carbohydrates and i i've always preferred just chocolate milk a yeah. good chocolate milk um and part of that's just because i like chocolate milk it's delicious you know? yeah and so that's what i've preferred and i've i can definitely tell a difference if i do that immediately after exercise mm -hmm. or if i wait an hour you know, and and that's one of the things that I like about having a powdered protein of some sort is that I can do it immediately after climbing because I don't need to keep chocolate milk cold in my car, which yeah. is difficult. But I can keep water in the car and I can keep the powder in the car. And when I get back to the car after hiking out of the boulders or the crag or whatever, then I can do it right then. And that seems to work better for me than even if I skip that, eat dinner 45 minutes later, having that chocolate milk immediately after or that protein immediately after seems to help me quite a bit. Yeah, I've had the same experience. And I think I generally hear that from most people too. I mean, there's the convenience of the powder. Even if you're, you know, on a four-day trip somewhere yep. um, and you, you're, you're not carrying chocolate milk or you're not carrying a bunch of... Um, sources of protein, you know, that are whole foods. Yeah. Just having the powder and being able to mix it is is really convenient. And I think getting it in as soon as you can when your body's ready for it is is ideal. Yep. And not all of us have sprinter vans with refrigerators that we that's hike true. out to. So this is true. You know, I think that's the that's the easy way to do it is with these protein or these protein powders. Um, with the powder when we're looking to get a good protein powder what should we be looking for are there signs that we can see that say this isn't the protein powder you want or this is right um yeah so i, I think it gets back to kind of also what someone's goals are mm -hmm. okay. and if they have any dietary restrictions um yep. So dairy-based protein tends to be the best in terms of absorption and assimilation. In terms of high-quality dairy protein, um, you know, we use grass-fed whey protein both because, you know, we use a concentrate, we believe, you know, that in kind of the lower processing that you see with concentrates, you get some biofactors that help with muscle protein synthesis. We also um, use New Zealand-based grass-fed protein because of, of the environmental impacts um it's gmo free it's antibiotic free right it's, um you know synthetic hormone free um so we believe in 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 those things 
if you don't, I you know, I think whey protein in and of itself is a is a good a good place to look. Good place to look. Um, for vegan proteins, uh, pea protein I think is the top uh, vegan protein that I can come up with um, off the top of my head. And I and I would I would say soy protein is a pretty close mm-hmm. um, close second, but uh, pea protein isolate is is has really high in the essential amino acids. It's really high in leucine as well. Not as high as dairy, but but pretty darn high. Um, it mixes really well. Um, it's, it has little to no aftertaste. So you know, in terms of taste or enjoyability, it's it's a good it's a good vegan protein to look for. And are, are peas themselves a really good source of protein? Yeah, most legumes are pretty okay. high in protein. That's interesting. I I never really thought about it, but I love peas, and yeah. I never think about buying them. But <laughs> now I should. You should. Are there other things with protein that, again, like we did with the BCAAs, that I just am not knowledgeable enough to ask? Are there things we should be thinking about? I have podcast brain, but um, <laughs> probably think about what I should have said, you know, in ten minutes. But um, well, we've got years we can, do, we can do more of these so okay um so there's some studies showing i think there uh was a study that came out showing that including digestive enzymes um in particular proteases which are digestive enzymes that help break down protein um, okay. help with assimilation or um of the protein okay um, and where where do we find these digestive enzymes is in it something gnarly you just products oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah so i mean the, the digestive enzyme blend in gnarly contains a bunch of different enzymes. Um, so you should be looking for these in the powders that you buy? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's not a necessity, um, but it helps. Okay. One, it helps. So in our enzyme blend, we as I mentioned, we use a whey protein concentrate. Whey protein concentrates have some lactose naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the enzymes in our enzyme blend is a, is a lactase. Um, so any... Enzymes are proteins. Any um, when, an easy way to kind of when you see a word to know it's an enzyme, it always ends in an ASE. So protease, right. lactase, cellulase, those are all enzymes. Gotcha. Um, proteases break down protein. Lactases break down lactose. Um, mm. So by including the that's lact- a lot simpler than it sounds when I read it. <laughs> it's the same thing <laughs> with sugars and OS. OS. Oh, got ya. Sucrose, yeah. glucose. Yeah. Um, so by including lactase and proteases, um, you know, we've had people that have otherwise been unable to, to do whey protein concentrates um, because they're lactose intolerant. Right. Say that they, they like our products for that reason and that digestively, you know, it works for them. Um, we also include probiotics and prebiotics um, for, for that same reason. Gotcha. Um, but... You know, are, are, if, if a protein doesn't have those things, is it a bad protein? No, it's, you know, it's still great protein, but, um, but once again, it, you know, it's just a little edge that it really has. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, I'm, I'm glad it's there. Sure. Um, okay, I think if that's, all, if that's all you need to say about protein, then I think I'm good, and we can just come back when you realize what you meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll come to Lander. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay, Shannon, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. 
Thanks again to Shannon and to all the folks over at Gnarly for inviting me in and educating me a little on protein, which, like I said, is a hot-button topic. Um, it's a little shocking and a little bit sad, actually, that that's what we choose to argue about. But anyway, you know, you can choose whatever you want. Um, for me, I know that I need protein. I can feel it when I need it and when I ingest it. It, it does me good. Um, so I encourage you to experiment for yourself and see if you like using um, protein powders and uh, whether you like the whey or the vegan or what works best for you. Um, give it a try. And you can get 20% off of any of the gnarly products um, on their website at gonarly.com and use the code POWERUP20 um, when you're checking out and that'll get you 20% off. And say thanks to them over there for that. Um, I appreciate them working with me. They also gave our sponsors free sample packs. And our highest tier sponsors get a free shaker bottle from Gnarly. So uh, that's huge. I'm always trying to hustle for those guys because they support us. Um, and you can find us, as always, at powercompanyclimbing.com. You can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. Or you can go to our website click the podcast tab you can get there from there as well uh, you can find us on the facebook please go join us over there you can find us on the instagram you can find us on pinterest you will not however ever 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 find us on twitter because we don't tweet we scream like eagles this time this time this time this time this time this time this time